I read a little quote um, on one of the social uh, network mediums, and the guy was saying to all of the normal gym people who go to gyms, who work out, and he was saying, look, the gyms will be very, very full for the next two months, because we know with New Year's resolutions, people would want to go to the gym, so they sign up, and that's where these gym guys make their money. The first two months, people go to gym, and they never go back again. And so this guy was saying to all of the normal gym people, just be patient with the new people who come and who go into gym. Don't get cross that it's so full. Just ride out the wave, because after about two months, people would have paid their money, but they won't be coming back to the gym. New Year's resolutions. And I'm very interested to know what kind of New Year's resolutions you have made and that you've committed yourself to. Yet it seems like within our own subconscious minds that whenever the new year is here, we think that the new year is kind of like a magic wand that we wave within our hands and everything is new again and everything is good again. Uh, we don't have any more problems you know, it's the new year. And of course, pastors preach their favorite New Year messages to inspire the congregation to have hope within their hearts for the future. But oftentimes we frame it in a way in which we deny the reality of life as it is. Stepped into New Year, sitting with a, a number of families in crisis. And so it's very hard for me to preach a message where I deny all of us of the realities of the first week of January. Everything doesn't necessarily change within the lives of people. As a matter of fact, it doesn't change within our lives necessarily just because of the first year of January. Piet, you would say, Piet, you are such a killjoy. And, and I'm sorry for that. But my friends, I believe that as we enter January, Jesus draws near to us. Yes, he puts a renewed sense of hope within our heart for the future. But this morning as we start a series that um, I'm developing and that I've developed over the last little while, I've just called it Faith Lessons for 2023, or after I experienced some of the conversations that I had within the first week of January, I changed that title a little bit, which I think is maybe very realistic to where many of us are at, you know, and, and I've called it Faith Challenges for 2023. I believe that this will be a year where, yes, we will go deep in God. Yes, we want to go wide with the gospel. But I also believe that we will experience moments where we will be challenged to make good decisions 
in Christ. And so I want to look at a number of challenges that we will face this year. And I don't have to be a prophet to tell you that we are going to follow, or we're going to face some of these challenges that do lie ahead of us. And so what I would like us to focus on maybe for the next eight weeks are these faith challenges that we find in Hebrews chapter 11. So I'd like you to take some time and to turn to your Bibles and open it up or press the button to Hebrews 11 if you would do that. Faith challenges or lessons for 2023, Hebrews chapter 11. And so just by way of introduction, you know, we want to look at these faith lessons or these faith challenges that will come up during this year. And um, the first one that we're going to be looking at is the first challenge which will happen to all of us is that we would be faced with decisions whether we are going to follow God's way our own way or man's way. And so I want to speak about following God's way this morning. And then hopefully next week, I would like us to look at challenge number two. And we want to be looking at the life of Enoch and for us to be challenged, to seek God's approval, over man's approval. Thirdly, I would like us to look at challenge number three. When we look at the story of Noah, where we are going to be challenged to listen to some warnings that God gives us. And all of us have that within our lives where we are warned by God and we are cautioned by God when he speaks to us. And then fourthly, we want to look at Abraham. And I do believe the challenge of God's call will come to all of us. To the mother who looks after her children. At nights when she is so frustrated and God would speak to her about his call upon her life to be a mother. Mothers feel so insignificant when they go through some of the challenges. I sat with a mother and a father just one of these evenings and uh, they're struggling through insurmountable challenges. And it was so wonderful just to walk into their home on Friday evening, sit down with them. And I looked at their two beautiful children and some of the challenges they face, you and I have not faced with our children. 
and I could look at them and I could look at the two children, particularly the older one. And I hadn't seen him for a little while. And um, as I sat there, I looked at the two parents and I just said to them, I just want you to know from my personal experience of what I'm seeing tonight, you are such a, you're doing such a great job with your children. And they don't see it. They don't recognize it. But it took for me, who know the context, who know the children, who know the situation, just to look at them and to spend time with them and to say, well done. My friends, people struggle to hear the call of God. And not only do I have a call upon my life, the mother has the call. The teacher at work, you've got a call. And we want to look at um, Abraham's life and just to see the challenge of God's call, whether we'll answer that call or not. Challenge five, um, we want to look at the life of Sarah. And I'm not sure who's going to preach that one because you've got to have faith to preach that one. And, um, you know, we need to be prepared for the unexpected, amen, if you know about Sarah. So, um, you know, anyone who want to put your hand up to preach that sermon, you're most welcome because God always wants us to practice before we preach. Amen? Before we preach a message, we've got to pray through it. We've got to live through it. We've got to let the message become a part of that. So I'm certainly not preaching that one. And then challenge number six. We want to look at Abraham and Isaac, his son. And I've just simply entitled it, Be Ready for the Test. How many of you know that this coming year, there will be tests within our lives? And we need to be ready for the test. And then seventhly, we want to look at Moses' parents. And I've just entitled this one, Be Brave. Parenting isn't for the faint-hearted. <laughs> And then challenge number eight, we want to look at the example of Moses choosing the road less traveled. When you look at these topics, maybe by way of an introduction, you will understand that this is where we live. This is what will happen within the community of faith as we are called. Christians are not immune to difficulty. As a matter of fact, when we look at last year, I looked at 2022, I stared it in the face, and as I looked at 2023, I felt that 2023 was looking at me and winking at me. And I think 2023 is winking at us. And I think 2023 is saying, let's just be prepared. The most beautiful thing about God is before we get into certain trials, you'll find out beforehand God would have been walking with us. And even without us knowing, he would start to put things within our lives to prepare us for that challenge. And we sometimes don't believe it. But he is with us through these challenges. Spoke to a pastor just a few days ago. 
a man who's become a friend. And uh, he just looked at me and, and I just been through a few things, positive things. But as I spoke to him and I looked at his face, he just looked at me and his eyes, you know, we were over Zoom and he just said to me, Piet, I am so glad 2022 is finished. He just said to me, it was a brutal year. We've got to hear this because for some of us, we've had that experience. And God, even as 2023 winks us, I believe that God is looking at us and there is that look that he has upon his face to say that I'm going to be there with you through 2023. Whenever there is a challenge that lies in front of us, you've heard it say that there is an opportunity that opens up for us for God to do great things through us. And I do believe in that. Believe that if there's a challenge that we're going through, as we step through it, it is never for nothing. But my friends, those challenges will be there. Maybe it goes without saying, but my readings and my devotions over the last month and a half has been through the book of Hebrews. Didn't know I was going to preach on Hebrews 11. But as I started reading through the book of Hebrews, of course, chapter 1, the scripture we read in the beginning, just grabbed a hold of me that in these present days, um, God wants to speak to us through Jesus. And of course, as I read through the book of Hebrews, some of the chapters didn't speak to me. And I read them again, and then I went on to the next, and to the next, and then every now and then, I felt the Spirit of God just just open up my heart and I could hear the voice of God. There's nothing more reassuring than hearing the voice of God. Would you agree? Special. And as I read through and through, I, as I started to hear the voice of God a little bit more clearer. And as I came to chapter 10, you know, I felt God speak to me about a few things in my own life. And then... Um, chapter 11, and I normally write within my Bible, that's kind of like my diary, and when I came to Hebrews 11, certain things just really started to, to burn within my heart, and I thought that I would share this with you, and this outline has just come from this, but when we talk about faith, it is probably one of the most hotly debated subject matters within the Christian church. And as I said uh, to Ken when we were with them on Friday night, I said, Lyft is such a unique church because we come from such different walks of life, don't we? Even from a Christian point of view. And as it were, what you were baptized in when you got converted is kind of like your faith's passion. So some people got saved within the renewal time, and so the theology of renewal is upon that person's life. Other people got baptized when the word of God just became such a wonderful revelation to them, so, so their passion is the word of God. Other people experience the gospel in a brand new way, so, so, so their passion is the gospel. So all of us have certain leanings 
and we bring them all into the context of this church. And so when you use the word faith, we all have different leanings on it. And believe me, in Lyft, you have many, I know. And so, when you look at the definition of faith in the book of Hebrews, um, it is a wonderful definition. You know, for me, when I got saved um, as a boy of about eight, nine years old, I know that I had such a revelation of Jesus. And so, I, I was... Uh, um, as it were, baptized in a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so everything that I read, everything that I try and do, I see through the lenses of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, unashamedly, that's my overwhelming passion. When I read the word of God, I, I, I look for Jesus. And, and I did that when I started to look at all of the, the, the things different commentators were saying about faith in Hebrews 11. Because we cannot speak about the challenges of our walk with God if we don't speak about faith. And just within my notes, I, I just put my definition. And there are other wonderful definitions of your most favorite writers, and maybe they can put it differently and even better, but this is just my definition. For faith, it, uh, you know, faith for me is, is, is basically hearing God when he speaks and doing what he says. Would you say that that's an all right definition of faith? Can you gra grasp that? Faith is hearing what he says and then doing it. Would you say that that's faith? You know, we shouldn't make it any more complex than that. My goodness, I speak to so many of us. And when we started to talk about faith, I withdraw and I said, oh, I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> it gets so complicated. But faith is, and you know, so it, it goes to be said when we finish with this series, and I've been preparing series over the last month and a half, the next one we're going to be looking at maybe is just how do we hear God's voice? So about a five or six week period of just talking about and getting others to help within the series, and we want to talk about how do we hear God's voice? Because if we want to be people of faith, if we want to walk through the challenges that come our way, we need to be able to hear God speak to us. And that's why just over these holiday periods and when we took a little bit of a break, I was reading through the book of Hebrews because I wanted Jesus to speak. I needed to hear his voice. Faith is hearing what he has to say and then to do it, and I've added something, and to do it his way. Whoa, all of you said to me, yeah, it's good to hear what God says, and we need to do it. But I've added that little phrase, to do it his way. That very well-known song that uh, Frank Sinatra sang, I did it. That's such an abomination 
in the sight of God. I did it. As Christians, we can never sing that song and mean it because it's anti-Christian. It is anti-God. Now, I know I've sung it with my beautiful voice, with Frank, but my friends, faith is listening and hearing God and doing it His way. And when we look at faith's challenge, when we look at the life of Cain and Abel, it is a wonderful story that we find in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. And as we read this passage of Scripture, we find out, That the reason why Abel's offering was better than Cain's offering, they were two brothers, two sons of Adam and Eve, early in the Bible. The reason why God accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's offering is because Cain did it his way. The challenge that will come to you and I this year, as Christians, is not that we do not know what God's will is. It is not that we don't hear him speak because the scriptures are so clear on so many subject matters. But it is whether we would carry out what God says his way. And in Lift International Church, for the most part, I think all of us are reasonably well-educated well, if you come from South Africa, you're very well educated. We're people, for the most part, of means. We have so many options at our disposal to live our lives. And because we are so resourceful, we oftentimes have about five or six ways to do something. And four of those ways are ours and sometimes the one way is God's. And we get lost within our wealth of knowledge and within our wealth of resource. And we're able to get away with it. But we are never fulfilled in our walk. It's only as we do things His way that there is a real sense of fulfillment and peace. And there is a real sense of God's blessing upon what we are doing. So probably it's a good time for me to read the scripture. Would you agree? So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and let's read from verse 1 to 13. And so this is pretty much an introductory message this morning, but this is what the scripture says in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is confidence. Now, of course, I know it more in the King James Version, and, and so the NIV doesn't help me a little bit when I read it, but let me read it in the NIV as we have it here. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for 
and assurance about what we do not see. In the King James Version, the one that I've memorized, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Isn't that beautiful? Ah, my heart's desire is that as a congregation, that through our faith, our belief in God, that we would please him. Amen. So verse 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance. Listen to this. What did he do? Yes, you could read the scripture here. He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were theirs. Uh, we were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, who architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from one man's, so from one man, and he, he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashores. Verse 13, just to confuse all of the hyper-faith people. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. Isn't that so cool? And when we talk about this wonderful subject of faith, it is so realistic. It is so personal. It is so true to our experiences. 
and God earths us, it is worth it as we march into 2023. Challenge number one. We look at the example of Abel. As I said, the background story is in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. The Bible says that Abel was a righteous man because of his faith. It does not negate grace when the Bible speaks about faith here. Grace is the wonderful gift that comes from heaven to us. It's the Christmas story. We are saved by grace. Can you repeat the rest of the scripture? Through faith. It's not one or the other. It is sad when we only focus on faith for the faith people, and it's sad when the grace people only focus on grace. That's not the whole gospel. The whole gospel is that we are saved by grace through faith. And so when we look at the statement that he was declared righteous through his faith, it's because he believed what God said. God said that, that in New Testament terminology that I had sent my son to the earth. He died for you. It's a gift to you. You cannot earn your salvation. Grace comes to us. We can't step up to grace. It comes to us. But we have to accept it by, excuse me, by faith. That means we need to receive what he brings to us. That's when salvation occurs, the miracle takes place within our lives. We declare righteous once and for all. This is a prophetic statement of what could happen into the future. Abel was a righteous man because of his faith. His faith in what God said needed to happen. Both Abel and Cain, sons of Adam and Eve, wanted to bring an offering of worship to God. God said to Adam and Eve that the way that you worship me is through an animal offering, the first limb of an animal offering. And so we see that Abel worked amongst herd, and Cain was working amongst the soil. And so when it was time to bring his offering of worship for these two sons, Abel brought an offering or should we say Cain, who was the oldest one, he first came and he offered an offering um, of, of grain to the Lord, which God rejected. Then Abel came and he offered an offering, a blood offering, the firstling of his flock, as God had laid down to his parents. And that was acceptable. The story goes on that Cain is jealous of his brother. God speaks to him and he says, but, but Cain, I told you the way to do it. He says, if you do it my way, everything will be good. But if you do it your way, sin crouches at the door 
waiting to engulf you and to destroy you. And it's such a puzzling scripture to understand. But my friends, the truth that comes out of this teaching is, and from the word of God, that God has a prescribed way that we need to follow to worship him. Otherwise, worshiping God would be universalism. All roads lead to Rome. All roads lead to God. But the Bible says that all roads do not lead to God. John chapter 14 verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way. Yes, the ways. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God was pleased when Abel brought a blood offering to him because it was a prophetic act of what actually would happen on the cross thousands of years later. Now, it's very interesting when you read the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing that they did was they ran away, they got thick leaves, and they covered themselves. And I was reading this passage again in relation to Cain and Abel's offering. And so, it, it, you know, they covered themselves, as it were, with, with the natural, with fig leaves. God says, well, fig leaf is not going to cover you. You're still naked before me. They tried to redeem their sin or cover their sin by a natural human act. My friends, natural human acts never appease God when it comes to our sins. We gotta do it his way. For the sinner, you have to go through Jesus, recognizing his death upon the cross, recognizing that he spilled his blood, and that blood covers us from all of our sins. Right in the very, very beginning, Adam and Eve instituted the human way of covering their sins. By taking fig leaves, God rejects that. God says there's another way that you do it, and that was to bring the firstling of your flock so that your sins can be covered. Do you understand why God now rejected Cain's offering in favor of Abel's offering? God had spoken to them. God had revealed his way to them of worship. My friends, our worship here is through Jesus to God, there is no other way of worship. The world would say, well, you could worship in any way that you want to. No, our worship is through Jesus and through Jesus alone. There is no other way. And we see here with Cain and Abel that Abel followed God's way. Cain followed his own way the natural way to appease it. Here at Lyft, we're so aware, as I said earlier, that people come from all different works of life. Here we are passionate about the gospel because many people come into this church and salvation, they thought, is accomplished by belonging to a church. My friends, a church does not save us. It doesn't matter which church that is. It is only 
Jesus Christ who saves us. Can I have a good amen on that? That's the significance of Abel and Cain. There is one way that God gives us, and that is through Jesus. Say, you so narrow-minded, Piet. Well, I guess God is kind of narrow-minded. Because he said he's the only way. Jesus is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. No man comes to the Father through him. My friends, and I say it, let me put it this way. I grew up in South Africa in a Dutch Reformed church when I was very, very young. And then my parents moved us to a Baptist church. And then I moved into a Pentecostal church. And so I've seen it all. (laughs) And within the first church I was in, uh, we had to go through confirmation before we can take communion. So you had to write a test, you had to be confirmed. And I remember at a young age of about eight or nine, I met Jesus. I had an experience with him. My parents brought me up. Well, my mom did, and she read the Bible to us, and there was such a revelation that started to unfold within my heart. And there was a moment when I was about nine, ten years old, went to a youth camp, my sister and I, and something happened within my life. Soon after that, I got baptized in water. But I'd fallen in love with Jesus. And I was, you know, at that age, I was talking to different pastors and um, somewhere of certain, certain denominations. And the one pastor from a certain denomination said to me, because in the church that I was a part of, I was partaking of communion. And he said to me, you hadn't gone through confirmation yet. You can't do it. You hadn't passed the test yet. And something rose up within me where at a very young age I was debating with this man who had a doctorate degree in theology, a denomination close to us. And although he out-argued me, there was something within my heart where the Spirit of God said to me that that is not true. And I read the Word of God and I realized that the only qualification for any person to partake in communion is that we know Jesus. Uh, uh, That needs to be a strong amen in this church. Doesn't matter from which denomination you come from, from which, from whatever group you come from. We don't talk about different denominations here. We're all together one in Christ. Amen here at Lyft. I don't frown upon a person who emphasizes this within our chest. You can ask others. I may not share your emphases and you may not share mine, but I do not look down on you. I include you in what we do. But my friends, there are basics within this church that we don't compromise on. And when you look at Abel and Cain's offering, the reason why God accepted Abel's offering is because of this one fact and this one fact alone is that he did it God's way. And God's way was that you bring the firstling. And in this passage of Scripture, it says that he came with a heart of purity and a heart of sincerity. My friends, we can pass all of the tests that we want to go through all of the rituals that we want to, be a part of the best churches that count in the world. But if we don't come by way of the cross, 
there is no redemption for us. And we're still in our sins. Our desire here at Lyft is to preach a gospel that everybody can lay their holds on, their hands on, and that everybody can walk through that way and that they, they, and that they can find Jesus. That's why it is crucially important that we recognize that in 2023, the challenge for us is to follow God's way, not man's way, not the world's way. There has never been a greater pressure upon the church from all quarters to embrace man's way as opposed to God's way. The challenge is there. The challenges are in the schools where your children are at. The challenges are for us as pastors. It is everywhere. Our commitment as a church, my commitment as one of the leaders of this church is that we want to make God's ways clear to us as we hear him and for us to choose his way as opposed to my way or the world's way. I love Abel <laughs> because, my friends, he did exactly that. Well, you've got to understand, one of the earliest families within creation, his parents had sinned. They must have heard of it. God comes and he redeems them through his way, through animal sacrifice. That is prophetic to what would happen thousands of years later through the Lord Jesus Christ. Both Cain and Abel know the way. Cain, the oldest one, says, no, I'll worship God, but I'm going to worship God my way. I'm just going to bring what I have. Abel, yes, what he had. He brought to God. But that was the right way. Pride stopped Cain. And this is Peter speaking. Now, from going to his brother and saying, can I have a first lay? And let's sacrifice and worship God together. My friends, when we look at this whole story, I admire Abel because he wasn't influenced by his older brother. As a matter of fact, Abel, became the first martyr of faith. He was killed by his brother. But he was killed because he believed in doing things God's way. I want to ask us as a church this year whether we will be committed to God's way. Yes, we know that the way we talk about is that salvation is through no one else. But then there are other things that you and I are confronted with. And clearly within the word of God, it is laid out that this is God's way. And clearly it is laid out that that is the world's way. The challenge for you and I is to decide which way will we choose. And let me just close off now. And... Um,
It is very interesting within the book of Joshua. Joshua looked at the nation and he speaks to them and he says to the nation of Israel, you've got to choose. Here is God's way and here is your way. He says, I'll add before you. He says, which way will you choose? And then Joshua makes that statement for him and his family. He says, you choose, but he says, me and my family, we will choose to please the Lord. I want to ask us as a congregation, but also as individuals today, to make a statement of faith that we would, when we are confronted with, this, with decisions, that in faith, that we would choose God's way, irrespective of the consequence. And let Abel be our example.